Thank you, guys. As you can probably tell, we had a lot of fun. We met um, a lot of amazing people um, and, and saw some incredible ministry. So uh, I, I've asked Leonard and Miss Carrie to, to share with us first, and then we have a couple others who are going to share. So, uh, Leonard, kick us off. Tell us a little bit about your experience. What did you learn? What did God teach you? Sure, and uh, part of what I'll do is give a little bit of background as well, just for folks not familiar, as PT already said, you know, it's a 15-story hospital that they have that they purchase and they're renovating, doing outreach out of. Been there 20 years, and um, they really, they own the entire block. It's a complex. They have 400,000 square feet of facility there, and so we got to strip floors, and we got to serve food and do all kinds of stuff, and I know different ones will share different ministries. Um, and just to put it in context, obviously, L.A. is not Memphis. Uh, they have approximately 44,000 homeless people in the city of L.A., 44,000 people in the city of L.A. that are homeless. Uh, but just FYI, in Memphis, we have anywhere from one to 2,000 homeless at any given time here. Um, and so we did these outreaches, and the, uh, some of the overriding things for me was um, – yeah, of course, they weren't perfect in what they did, but they were organized. It was 24-7, you know, and, and there's a book that was written several years ago by Matthew and Tommy Barnett, the founders of it. It's called The Church That Never Sleeps. I highly encourage you to get that book and read it, and you will see what the vision is, uh, the foundation that they laid for this place. Um, and the funny thing, you know, you think about it, and it's like, well, yeah, you know, when you, and of course, I couldn't help but think it. Uh, you know, because if you don't happen to know who Tommy Barnett is, he's pastor of one of the largest churches in the United States, especially for their denomination. And so it's he and his son that founded this. And it, uh, his son at the time was 20 years older, Matthew Barnett, who's the uh, the pastor that's on campus all the time. And his dad helps raise money. And I'm a cynic, if you don't know it. And so I'm thinking, you know, if my dad raised that kind of money, I might be able to pull off something too. But in watching it happen, it was bigger than that for sure. Uh, and, and there's no way, obviously, that I could do that um, without God. Uh, but some of the things that really stick with me is everybody there drank the Kool-Aid. They really believed in what they were doing. Volunteers that went through the program, that went through heat rehab, whatever, were there for three years, five years. Some folks, you know, we met a guy that's been working there for 11 years on staff now. They live on campus, room and board, probably work for peanuts beyond that. Uh, they sure don't eat for the meal plan, <laughs> work for the meal plan. Uh, but, you know, these, these guys are there, and they believe in what's happening. And so let's make it real, though, and this is this is – really, you know, my heartbeat or what I want to talk about is making it real. In the end, they wouldn't be where they are today if they weren't doing it on a day-to-day -day basis. And yeah, it's a 24-hour 24 24-hour operation. It never sleeps. You know, that's kind of their mantra. Uh, but in the end, you know, all of us are commissioned. We're all ministers of reconciliation. Every one of us, Jesus spoke to us and said, take up your cross and follow me. We have to die daily. And one of the challenges of going on a mission trip is the fact that you die daily. You rub shoulders with 18 of your best friends and your BFFs for the entire week and sleeping on a floor and bed bugs and all these things. And it's just a joyous experience. And you know I'm being cynical. If you don't, I apologize. 
it, it tries your nerves, okay? Let's throw it out there. It tries your nerves. And, of course, our nerves were tried. And, but you know what? We, we found a place to pray. <laughs> we found a need to pray and a reason to pray. And uh, those are experiences that are awesome. But in real life, in real life, you're not on vacation. In real life, you're not out there walking the streets picking up trash at Echo Park. In real life, you're not feeding the homeless and giving them a bottle of water and a hot dog on Skid Row. In real life, that's not what we do. But the real question is why? We live 24-7. Why do we have to put something on a shelf and do it only on Sunday or do it once a year when we take a trip thousands of miles away? There is no reason we can't do what they do. We can't be as big as they are, obviously. But you know what? They did it one day at a time for 20 years. When we walked down on Skid Row, a lady literally T tell ran them what up Skid to Row us. Is, so. Yeah, Skid Row is where the homeless live. There's approximately 19, or excuse me, 9,000 people that li live in a particular radius that's called Skid Row. So out of the 44,000, 9,000 live within, I don't know how many blocks it is. And we, we went one evening and circled the block. Um, rats running down the street, a cat crossing the road with a mouse in its mouth. It was really scenic. Uh, it, I mean, it, and the rats, it looked like groundhogs, only they were, they were rats coming in and out. So it's kind of interesting, and cockroaches crawling out of the ground next to the fire hydrant. It hadn't rained in years, but, or not in years, but hadn't rained in months. <laughs> hadn't rained in months, it felt like years. <laughs> All right, so I'm stretching. No, but <laughs> for real, it hadn't rained in weeks, and they warned us, if you see mud or water, don't step in it, because it has not rained. And there's a stream going down the side of the road. I'll let you figure out what that stream is. Uh, so don't step in it. Uh, but anyhow, so that's Skid Row. But we, there was a, liter a lady that literally ran up to us for prayer because the Dream Center is there week in and week out, week in and week out, not just in the summertime, 150 volunteers there the week we were there. During the wintertime, they have 20, 50, whatever. But they're there week in, week out, day in, day out. And that's the way that you can exist for 20 years and grow to be what they are. That dying daily, every day, repeatedly. So that was my experience. Ms. Carrie Baker is going to share with us next. Uh, yeah, and I didn't have my index card, so I got my papers. <laughs> um, I am so grateful for this opportunity that I had to be a part of the group and be a part of the Dream Center. It was a small part, but in their big picture of what they do, that I got to say I got to be a part of it. I'm so grateful. Some of the missions that I was on and that I helped work with was the food trucks, uh, to go out to the neighborhoods and give out food, um, which meant bagging them up, putting them on the skids and giving them out, which is what I did. The Bible study on Tuesday night where the ladies uh, meet really touched me. Um, the message was nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted. In God's eyes, it doesn't matter if you have to wait. It's all in God's plan. 
if the door is shut doesn't necessarily mean it's a no. It just might mean not yet. And that really came home to me. Another part of the missions that I went on was the kids' jamboree, which was really awesome, working with the kids and seeing them play and watching all the workers get wet <laughs> in the games. Um, we had church Thursday night, and afterwards, Pastor Troy got us to Echo Park and to recap on everything that we had been going through. And I looked around at the park, and I saw these families and their kids at night around 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, walking around. This was the park where the pimps and the drug dealers and the murders and the gangs were at. And now it's a beautiful place, a peaceful, safe place for them to go. And it's because of the Dream Center. And they went there and cleaned it up as God told them to. And their obedience, everybody is reaping the benefits of it. And it was just awesome. Skid Row was another one. Uh, just passing out water and cookies to people that were so grateful for that. And to be able to pray for them. And some loved our prayers. They really wanted them. And others were not so inviting. But that's okay. <laughs> uh, just get all the paper here. The clothes closet, I got to be a part of that and clean the shoes. I don't mind doing that. It was okay, you know. I had to clean my own shoes before. <laughs> uh, the backpack giveaway was awesome. I got to ride on the bus with Victoria, and we got to pick up some kids from the neighborhood um, housing project stuff. I got to be with Marcel and Marquan. Marquan was cute. He was a little boy. You might have seen the picture with me there. Um, we separated, and I took him to the bouncy house. There was a guy who was attending the bouncy house, and we were talking about his parents weren't there, so I was their guardian for that day with him. He took him to the thrift shop, bought him clothes, all new outfit, and it just touched me. And we went and did that for his brother as well. They didn't have it. The parents weren't even there. They're first and kindergarten kids. But we were able to influence their lives a little bit. It was just, uh, if I talk anymore, I'm going to cry. So, anyway. No I crying on this stage. It's not allowed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just really grateful for this opportunity. And God showed me that his love, grace, and mercy was all over all the way in California as well as here. And it, it just made it more real that it was worldwide. I mean, it's just there. Um, the Dream Center is reaching people and changing their lives. They're making God rich. And by that I mean they're adding people to his kingdom. And the people that come to know Jesus, that's enriching his kingdom. That's not material riches. It's people rich, and that's what he wants. So that's what we can do, too, one person at a time, one event at a time. And I just want to say thank you to everybody who supported us, who prayed for us, who transported us to the airport and back, and um, 
to the people who opened up their homes for us to stay. And I really appreciate, and our families is mostly <coughs> who supported us in going. I really think that was a big sacrifice, too. Before Victoria goes, I got to tell a story about her real quick. Uh, so the night that we went out to Skid Row, there, there was, I don't know, 60 or 80 of us gathered who were uh, getting ready to go, and a guy named Greco was leading the outreach. And uh, so Greco is awesome. I wish I could just explain to you how Greco he is. Um, but, but as he gets to the end of his spiel and he's teaching us how to love on these people on Skid Row, uh, we were like the first church signed up on the list. So he calls us out. He said, so who's the leader of City Church Group? And I raised my hand. And he's like, I want you to give me your shyest person. And uh, about four people call out, Victoria. Uh, so I was like, Victoria, you've been selected. So, uh, so he said, Victoria, come here. So he brings her up on the steps where he's like speaking and addressing everybody. And he's like, Victoria, you're going to pray over our outreach. And uh, so Victoria, I got put on the spot in front of everybody, but just totally stepped up and, and shared her, her herself and, and prayed and you know with confidence and boldness and so uh, I'm proud of this young lady uh, despite her shyness come on let's give it up for her um, and then I put it out there who wants to, to share their testimonies Victoria texts me and says hey can I share my testimony one of the shyest on the team somebody who doesn't like to step out there and put herself out there asked for this opportunity so now with all that no pressure rock their world I was actually going to start with that, <laughs> but as y'all know, I'm really shy, and I don't, we, um, like, before all the outreaches, we would all circle up, and, you know, they'd be like, anybody want to lead us in prayer, and I was always like, mm, I'm just going to hope nobody sees me, you know, hide, and never really, like, volunteered, but, like, we'd had to pray in the van, and I don't know, I guess I was just more comfortable with y'all, but, you know, like, I'm nervous right now, and <laughs> so I don't think I really would have done that if I wasn't chosen so I guess that's God telling me I need to step out and because everybody was talking about if you're not uncomfortable then you're not like doing it right or something like that so I was definitely uncomfortable during this trip um, before we left we all had to pick something that we wanted to get out of the trip and I wanted to get closer to God and I definitely did we got to share God's word with so many different people, like, I don't even know how many. And um, we went to Skid Row. There were people, like, are living on the sidewalks, like, tent after tent or cardboard or just random furniture in the street. And they're either, like, they're sleeping or they're just, there's nothing really to do. So we go to the Dream Center, actually, their, I guess, their goal is to go out and build relationships with people and bring them to church. So they'll go down there and, you know, hang out with them, you know, and just talk to them and ask if they need prayer. And we did the hot dog truck, and we actually went and we got to go twice on Friday. We got to go during the day and at night, so we got to experience both of the – That's on Skid Row, so we did the hot dogs during the day. So. We just, Yeah, we did hot dogs during the day. We um, – Went with a bunch of other people, too. We didn't have much time, though. So we went to, stopped at the park, and we met with some of the people. And I got to talk to one lady. Her name was Teresa, and she used to be in the Army. She, I, don't, I don't think she was homeless, but I didn't exactly get her story. Um, 
she had been in a relationship, and then they um, ended up not working out. Uh, found somebody down here. She was looking for a house, and she finally got one. And she's settling in and said that um, she was having some trouble with one of her kids and that she was going to go see her mom once she got settled down here. So hopefully that worked out for her. And then we met with another guy. Oh, I, I just kind of jumped in with him, but uh, he was talking to Taylor about he just needed giving her some advice about life and everything. So I just kind of hopped in on that, and then we had to leave. And then we went out that night, and I prayed over everybody before we went out. And we went in groups of, like, five, and we passed out cookies and water, and we um, – like, we were going around at first, and then we got to the main part, I guess. Is it the main part of Skid Row? They call it Ground Zero, basically, where, like, the, the hub, where the, the, the heaviest concentration of people are. And we really took the time, and, you know, we stopped. And I was with the Cochrans and Miss Risa, and we really took the time to, like, stop and ask if they needed prayer for anything. And uh, there was one guy, he was talking to us so many things it was like 20 minute conversation but he was really nice and then that night um I don't know I was just really touched I've never really ex seen that side you know so it was kind of different um Thursday night service uh offering they were talking about how think of it differently like instead of giving God 10 percent think of it as God is letting you keep 90 percent since everything is his so I just thought that was cool nobody said it yet so <laughs> um and then the Angelus Temple the worship was so good down there um it felt just like I was it felt like I was here and so I don't know it just felt like so homey you know it wasn't awkward like if you didn't know a song or didn't know some the person next to you and, um and then the Sunday service they talked about complaining we're like, like our last day, like we're about to leave, and I can't tell you how many times I complained about how hot it was or, oh, I was so hungry or anything, and I I don't know. It just, that really spoke to me too. So uh, that's what I got out of it. Awesome. <laughs> so proud of that young lady, growing so fast. Bobby's going to finish us off. Uh, Bobby Costin, share with us a little bit. Of your experience. All right. Um, I'm going to start by saying that PT's been telling us about how we need to get out of our comfort zone to continue to grow as Christians and get closer to God. And as I'm sure you've heard me say many times by now, we definitely were put out of our comfort zone. We didn't have air conditioning. It was about 92 degrees every day, and I'm not complaining. I'm just telling you that. <laughs> uh, um, and... Uh, Plus, we had to share a room with seven Bring guys. the mic up just a little oh, bit. Yeah. We had to share a room with seven guys. The girls, of course, had 12. But um, for those that know me and understand this, we had a uh, we had an extra bed. And right as we got there and we're putting our stuff up, they say, oh, we're going to put another guy in there with you. And I'm like, I didn't say it. I'm thinking to myself, man, this is already going to be hard enough. we got no air. i got seven guys. And they're going to bring us out. We don't even know in here. So ends up being this 23-year-old guy from uh, Portland named Paul, who was just an awesome guy, so inspiring. I'm still not close enough. You can tell I don't do this very often. Anyway, he was really cool, and I thought we were really fortunate to have him for the entire week with us, and he went and served in all the outreaches with us, and it was, it was just awesome. Um, but we knew before we even left that God was already moving on this trip. Jenny had been having 
some health issues, and I think she had decided to not go, actually, about a week or two before we left, and uh, I think we all started praying every night, uh, the family and the group, and uh, she decided to go ahead and give it a shot, and as you can see, she's sitting here, and she made it okay, <laughs> and I was very proud of her. She did really good. Um, I don't want to just repeat some of the same outreaches, but since I had this on paper, I'm going to do it anyway. Um, this is harder than it looks, actually, for those that hadn't been up here. Um, we started off with the Echo Park thing. Uh, one thing that uh, Carrie left out was that they pointed out when they drained that lake at Echo Park, other than the pimps and all the crime, they actually found a bunch of dead bodies in the bottom of that lake. That's just how bad it was out there. This was about 20 years ago. Yeah, 20, 23, 24 years ago. Um, I lost my place. Oh. Uh, when the women went Wednesday, uh, Tuesday night to their women's ministry, the men also went to a men's ministry meeting, which was a room just crammed full of guys. And it was uh, it was a great message that the, the guy came in and gave a sermon on, but they also had another guest speaker. Well, before we got there, Troy had told us to read Acts 1, and that day he said, no, let's read Acts 2. Well, we get up there, and this guy is giving his message, and he refers to, of all the books, Acts 2. And so we're all thinking, what are, what are the chances of that? So that freaked us out. Plus, it was very inspiring. And um, <laughs> and I'll try not to cuss while I'm up here, Troy. Um, <laughs> Thank right. you. Um, I'm sorry. That's how I handle nerves, I guess, is by cutting a joke or something. Um, I also have to mention there's a guy in the picture. We all saw Paul, uh, Sean McLaughlin, who is Caleb's brother. I don't I guess Caleb's here today. Second service, okay, good. Caleb's in Kid me. City right now. Oh, okay, well, maybe he can hear me. Uh, we all know how cool we all know how cool and awesome uh, Caleb is, but uh, I was also very inspired by Sean and the fact that he was even there. I think he was ten days into his time. Is that right? He's doing a semester and he's yeah. ten days in. And we come out all the way to LA with this group, and it just happens to be the same time he's out there. I mean, that's it's a sign, right? And uh, he was such a cool kid. And when we went to the uh, outreaches he went with us, the kids were just like a magnet to him. They just, it was incredible to see how he handled them and how he, how he talked to us. I had never met him. He knew Johnny and Troy and a few of the others. And it was just, uh, it was really cool to see what God has done for his life and what he had going on for him. I thought that was just, just awesome. Um, I'm going to skip to the uh, floor stripping which really seemed like, what are we doing this for? It's really hot, and there's no AC in there either. <laughs> but they, uh, the guys that were with us were the disciples. There was one um, named Rudy that, not, yeah, he shared his uh, testimony with us when we got finished. Sorry about that. And um, he was telling us how he had really just messed his whole life up and lost his kids and his wife, and he'd gotten into this discipleship, and, and it just brought tears. I think it brought tears to all of our eyes. And just to see how he hadn't given up hope and how um, how strong he was and how excited he was to, if he couldn't at least get his marriage back on track, he could be the father for his parents, which I think I think that can inspire all of us that have kids, obviously. Um, then we'll get to the backpack giveaway, which was just incredible. We got there and did – I didn't know what I was doing that day. I was just standing around, and all of a sudden they said, why don't y'all go over here and just and cut the little – ribbons off their wrist. And I'm like, okay. So I look up, and there's Clayton Kershaw, and there's Jordan Sparks standing there handing out backpacks. And we're, like, in line with these kids as they come 
to us, and we just high five them, and every one of them was just their faces was just lit up, so excited. And then about halfway through that, I have to mention this because nobody has yet. Clayton Kershaw has to leave and go somewhere else, so they bring in Troy Souten. South Haven, Mississippi. That's right. I relieved Clayton Kershaw. It's a true story. I was not going to mention that, but I'm well, glad you did. Thank you. I couldn't know because I was standing like right there. Career highlight. It's on the back of my baseball card. But, uh, but it was that for me. That was really cool being a baseball fan and all. Um, <laughs> and I know Jimmy would love it. <laughs> um, like Victoria said, the services Thursday and Sunday were awesome. Both of them were incredible, and their messages were so on point for all of us that were there. Uh, especially the complaining part for me, and I'm sure everybody. I mean, it's amazing how we can complain about things and then to go to these these places and see these projects and, the, and to see Skid Row and to see how they have to live and, and then think about the things that we complain about. I mean, it's just uh, – it's really eye-opening. It's also embarrassing and all that good stuff that you actually can actually think about things to complain about that they would love to have. They'd love to have some of the stuff that we complain on. Um, I left out my skid row part. Um, we prayed with several people, but the one that really jumped out to me was this was a big guy wearing a Raider shirt. Very, very, you know, kind of imposing at first. We went over and kind of talked to him. I was kind of, eh. And everybody had left, and it was just me and Kim standing there. And he started talking about how he was actually going to find out that week whether or not he was going to get in the discipleship program. So we prayed with him, and... Um, me, who's still a little leery about praying with people, but I've gotten this trip has changed that for sure. But um, I prayed for him, um, and when I got done, we hugged, and I looked at the guy, and I mean, tears were just rolling down his face. And man, that just it, it changed my heart. It broke my heart at the same time just to see the fact that somebody in that kind of position can still have hope and passion. You could tell in his in his heart and his eyes that he had that passion, and he still. Still wasn't giving up, no matter what. And that, for me, that was awesome. And I know there's some out there that are broken and, and had troubles, and I just hope that we were able to touch more of those. Um, I'm sorry if I'm not as eloquent as the rest of these guys, but um, this part to me is really important. I'm just going to go right to it. Um, from the men's ministry thing and from after that, we the guys went and we, we gathered around a picnic table and we discussed some things. And um, I think we all decided that as men – but I think as, well, as far as a church, I think we all should be challenged from this. I know we're fired up today. We need to continue being fired up, like Leonard said, every day from here on out. But I think we all should be challenged to make an effort to do something to make a difference in the lives of people that need our help. And there are plenty of people that need our help all around us, um, myself included. I, I never never would have thought God could use me. I mean. It's a, and I know for a fact now from these seven days, he used me. I mean, I, I, it, it was awesome. And uh, I'm not going to cry up here, but I might. Um, <laughs> um, real quick, I'll go with the play. Um, I know that um, Troy's preached on it several times, but if, if God can use me, if God can use David, the guy that when, when, when Saul went looking for the son, when they referred to where he was, oh, he's the youngest. He's out tending sheep. They didn't even know his name. They didn't even say his name. And that to me is like, this is the guy that God chose to, to do what he did. I mean, dude, if he can do that, man, don't don't think that he can't use you. Don't don't say, okay, well, I'm just going to 
I'll let, I'll let Troy take care of it. I'm not, you know, I'm just going to stand back. Hey, Amen. Don't say that. <laughs> but that's about all I got. I thank you all for, for the time. So proud of all 19 missionaries. So it's an, an incredible thing to, to get to be a part of. And I'm so grateful for, for each of you guys sharing your story and your testimony. Um, I know if you didn't go, uh, it can be easy to sit here and be like, okay, I was already jealous that they went to California. Now you're going to spend an hour talking to me about this trip that I didn't get to go on. And you're wasting my day. And, and, and let, let me just encourage you with this. Um, what Bobby said right there at the end, God can use anybody. Uh, and, and what Leonard said, it, we don't have to go across the country to be used. Um, the, the cool thing about the Dream Center, the, a couple of really cool things, when, when it started, what happened was Pastor Matthew, 20 years old, uh, pastor's kid, his dad's this famous megachurch pastor, decides he wants to, to become a pastor. So dad sends him to Los Angeles to take over a church. So he takes over a church of about 60 people. And uh, little by little, everybody leaves. Uh, I don't know how true this is or not, but this is the story they tell. They said that one time, Pastor Tommy, who's his dad, calls and, and asks, you know, what was attendance? today and uh and pastor matthew says well there was three it was me the holy spirit and a cockroach um so it it grew down to basically zero um and and as this church fell apart and this kid feels like a failure and why did god bring me all the way out here what what am i doing um he starts walking around the neighborhood echo park and he says as he walks the neighborhood he just saw so much need and he felt like god told him two things he felt like god told him find a need and fill it fill it Find a, a hurt and heal it. And that was, that was his mantra, that I'm just going to start doing this. And so one by one, he just starts meeting needs in this area. He calls it Adopt-A-Block. And he just starts walking this street, finding what, what can I do to, to, to meet a need. And little by little, man, people start jumping on board. People start seeing this. And, and people are getting saved, and they're coming to Jesus, and, and the, the kingdom is being built, right? Um, and, and then he felt like God told him this other thing that I think is so cool. Because you heard... Um, you know, we got to see Clayton Kershaw, right? If you don't know who he is, one of the greatest pitchers in baseball, probably the greatest pitcher in baseball. We got to see Jordan Sparks, who actually helped lead worship Sunday morning, who's an American Idol winner, who I didn't really know anything about her. I was kind of like, uh, in fact, I had a chance to get a picture with her on Saturday, and I was like, I'm good. Uh, and then we went to church Sunday, and she helped lead worship, and I'm like, I'm an idiot. Uh, so missed opportunity right there. Um, but, but you see these people, these big names that, that, are, that are famous and are well-known, um, and it's like any church would kill to have Jordan Sparks help and lead worship, right? Like any church would kill to have Clayton Kershaw sponsor an outreach. Um, but very early on, this is what God told Pastor Matthew. Um, and, and God told him this. He said, if you will reach the people that nobody wants, I will send you the people that everybody wants. So we go to this backpack outreach, right, and I'm getting vision. I'm like, man, we're going to get KJ Wright on board, and he's going to sponsor backpacks next year, and we're going to give away, you know, like you get all these ideas. Like, how can we do this in all the branch? But I think that's the wrong way to, to go about it. They didn't start with Clayton Kershaw and Jordan Sparks and then go touch people. They started with nobody. They didn't start with a 15-story building. They didn't start with, with this million-dollar facility. They started with nothing and nobody and were obedient to God's call. And as they've been obedient day after day for 23 years, this is what's happened. Now they're featured on the news in the city of L.A. Now now they have all these incredible opportunities because they were obedient day after day after day after day. We we went out. Um, One of the first things we did, uh, there was a big group of us, I think 11 or 12 of the, the 19 of us, 
we went on an adopt block and it was with a guy named Osvaldo and, and another guy named Noah. These were the discipleship guys. The discipleship is their drug rehab program. So these, these two guys who've been through this program, they lead us out and we just go pick up trash. Um, and we're picking trash in the neighborhood and we actually go down to the park and we loop around. And, and as we're going out doing this, um, this is what's so, so amazing. Um, we come into the park and the park employee sees us and he rushes over and he finds Osvaldo, who's kind of the leader of it. Uh, and, he, and he says, dude, I, I'm so grateful for everything you do, guys do. He said, 20 years ago, this place was a complete dump. He said, 20 years ago, we dragged this lake and we found dead bodies in it. And you can look at it today. So this wasn't just like the Dream Center telling us, here's how awesome we are and this is what we've done to change the city. This was the city employee <laughs> confessing and out loud, not to us so that we could hear it, just telling this guy thank you and we happen to be able to hear it. This is the difference you have made, right? We, we base Mission OB, uh, our whole concept on Proverbs eleven eleven, right? By the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. In other words, a city should be better because God put a ministry there, because God put a church there. I can tell you Los Angeles is better because God put the dream center there. It's just better. That city is better. And there's no reason why, yes, we have different need and we have different opportunity and the things look different and they sound different and we have way less Hispanic accents than the people down there. I use like all 15 Spanish words I know, like 37 times each, right? Like, like the very little bit that I know. It, it doesn't look the same or sound the same here, but that doesn't mean we don't have need. And that doesn't mean we can't do something. Um, and and the power, when a group will come together, we sang that song, we will be the church and rise. Nothing can stop your church when we are one. Well, we saw it. Nothing can stop that church in that community. Nothing can stop the move of God in Los Angeles because there's a church that's one, that's unified behind a vision. I think Leonard said it. They're all drinking the Kool-Aid, right? Like they're all, they're believers in it. They're not just there like trying to learn something or trying to be a part of something like they live it day after day and a whole city is impacted because of it. And man, we can do the same thing. We got more people to start out with than they had. We, we got more money to start out with than they had. We've got more opportunity than they had and, and we just got to have the same level of commitment. So I'm calling you as your pastor, man. Let's, let's sell out. Let's sell out to see a city change. Let's sell out to see Olive Branch reach for Jesus Christ. Let's sell out to see Memphis come to Jesus. Let's sell out to, to day after day. I'm going to find a way to build your kingdom. And, and so I'm going to wrap up with this. This is our theme, right? Build your kingdom here. It's on all of our shirts. We've sang the song. What, what does it come from? Matthew chapter 6, Jesus gives us this very famous prayer. We know it as the Lord's Prayer. And, and it starts out, what does he say? It says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I think those two statements, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, I don't think those are two different thoughts. I think those are the same thought. What he's saying is God sent me from heaven to earth to build God's kingdom. And I think a lot of times we think of building God's kingdom as, as adding more members, right? Getting people saved. And that's a huge part of it. That's expanding the borders. The kingdom gets bigger every time somebody comes to Jesus. But I think there's another part of building God's kingdom. And that's making earth like heaven, right? He says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus came here to start an outpost, to start a representation here on earth of what heaven's like. And so every time we change something from the need, from the hurt, from the crying, from the pain, from the, the, the depravity of earth, and we make it look like heaven, we're building God's kingdom. God's kingdom is being raised up. 
So, so here's the challenge we gave to our missionaries, and I, this is the last thing I'm going to say today. There's two ways that we can build the kingdom. One is internal, and one is external. So the first way to build God's kingdom, if we want to do what they're doing, and I do, and I know there's 19 that went to L.A. that do, and hopefully the rest of you, I know see, I see some tears around the room, I see some people who are engaged who are like, man, this is awesome, and some of you are probably like, I'm ready to go eat. It's all good. I'm almost done, I promise. If we want to build God's kingdom, if we want to honor the Lord's prayer, build your kingdom here. Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. First, it starts in here. Let your will be done here as it is in heaven. Let me start giving over more of myself, of my time. Let me get in the word every day. Let me pray every day. Let me start confessing some sin. Quit, quit accepting some habits that I've just tolerated and start, you know what, God, I know that this, this isn't heaven. This isn't what's going to be in heaven. This isn't the way I want to be in heaven. So I'm going to deal with it now. I'm going to make earth like heaven in here. That's building God's kingdom. And then externally, that, that we would build his kingdom, that we'd reach people, but, but that we'd find a need and fill it, find a hurt and heal it. As we do those things, earth becomes a little bit more like heaven. Man, L.A. is a little bit more like heaven today than it was 23 years ago. Because one crazy Kind of dorky white dude named Matthew Barnett. Like, I'm going to be, you know, like, he's not the guy that you think is going to go out in the hood and start this incredible ministry. He's just obedient. He's just obedient. And God's kingdom is built up day by 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 day. And he wants to do the same thing here. So I just invite you to, to embrace that opportunity, to, to lean into his spirit. God, start building your kingdom in me so that I can build your kingdom in my city. Amen.